Welcome to another episode of Tread Lightly. I am your co-host and running coach, Amanda Brooks of Run to the Finish. And I am your co-host and running coach, Laura of Laura Norris Running. Everyone, I am excited about today's topic because we're going to talk about trail running, but trail running as a road runner, because that is what the majority of you are. And we've had some great questions about that. First, we did have a listener question from at Mayor Rosen. Hello, Meredith. And your question was, how do you cool down after a long run? Even if I walk after my run, my legs stiffen up. So love to hear what you do, Laura. Yeah. And I think this is a really great question because it's kind of fun to troubleshoot in coaching situations sometimes, because if it had just been the first half of a question, I would have said, walk a little bit after your run to cool down. Um, but since she's doing that, it sounds like probably her legs are stiffening up later in the day. So that's probably wanting to break up the rest of the day with more movement. So like if she was my athlete, I'd say, okay, we walk after the run, get in, make sure you're getting protein, carbs, and fluids to replace, and then put up your legs for a little bit. And then don't just sit the rest of the day. Every hour or so, get up, stretch, walk around, take an afternoon walk because that stiffening up, it's probably like a combination of like not enough blood flow and maybe some like neural response to muscle fatigue and movement will help both of those. A hundred percent. I noticed this actually when we go do trail runs and they're often an hour away. And so then I sit in the car for an hour to come back and I inevitably get out and I'm like, is that me making all of those noises to get out of the car? Because everything is stiff in just an hour's time. And I think it is that combo of like, you've exerted yourself. So maybe this is happening more after a long run or after a hard run. And so you've really worked those muscles. And then, yeah, that lack of movement. And maybe we aren't entirely on top of our hydration. Um, That's certainly going to play a role. So for me, 100% I walk. I probably feel the best when I have the time to do a longer walk. So not just like, oh, I walked for like seven minutes, cool, got in the shower, sat down and started working. But on days where I will, you know, be doing Instagram, I'll just keep walking on the treadmill and I may walk for 20 or 30 minutes at a slow pace. And I feel tremendously better the rest of the day having done that like little bit longer walk. Um, so it could be maybe extending the cool down a little bit. And then a hundred percent, I agree. It is a lot of sort of forcing yourself to keep moving throughout the rest of the day because that helps a lot. It does. It's funny. Like ever since I had my daughter, I haven't gotten to sit after long runs too long. Like it's just not as huge of an option, but like my legs actually tend to feel better because even like we get up and we walk and we go on a scooter ride or to the playground and it forces that movement. And I thought it would have been like worse for my recovery, but I'm actually recovering pretty well from long runs. So I really do think it helps. Yeah, absolutely think it helps that. And then, you know, I always lean on, I've talked about this in a few episodes, my Epsom salt bath. So after long runs, and I think some of that is just pure relaxation and telling the body to like chill out. Um, So I do lean on that too. All right, so let's dive in here to talk about trail running. We've got a ton of different tips and things to kind of 
help for all of you who are excited to start trail running or just figuring out like, how the heck does this work into a schedule, even if I'm like training for a race? So where do you want to start? Yeah, I think the biggest question I get from athletes who want to get into trail running is they seem intimidated by the time commitment. They're like, oh, I run so much slower on trails or I have to drive to the trail and that adds time because most of us don't live with trails right in our backyard. So what advice would you give someone who's intimidated by like the time commitment or feeling like they'll be out on the trails forever to run the same mileage they would on the road? It's very true. Like I am lucky that David wants to go mountain bike. And so I feel less of this, like, oh, I'm going to be gone for such a long time because he wants to go too. So if you're going on the weekend and there's any sort of way to like get your family involved so that they can hike around while you run, that can take away some of that like travel time concern. But after that, I think one of the biggest things for road runners is you have to almost in a way ditch your watch. So you can't be thinking about how far you're planning to go. You need to just think of time. So I'm going to go and plan to run for an hour, or I tend to say I'm going to go and be moving for an hour because there's going to be lots of points where I need to walk. Um, and I think that alone is like a major, major shift for road runners. We're so used to like, but how far did I get? And it's just a different thing. It is. It is. Like I give my athletes a lot of times like runs by time, even sometimes like their long runs by time if they're doing trails because like trail conditions can even alter. Like you could go to the same trail and if there was a big rainstorm the night before and it's thick, sloppy mud, I think about like trail running in Seattle, like it can make your pace two minutes per mile slower sometimes. And if it's a nice dry day, you're a little faster. So like the same trail can be slower or faster. It's good to just go by time. So you're not having to worry and be like, oh, I'm going to be gone longer than I thought. Yeah. And I think we, we can define trails a lot of ways. Yes. I know there are a lot of folks who have like a crushed gravel path, uh, through their neighborhood and call it a trail. And technically that is a trail. Um, but when you start looking at more trail races, usually you're looking at, you're probably going to have a little more incline, a little more vertical, maybe some more technical stuff. Um, so if you're doing the crushed gravel, like maybe some of this is a little bit less applicable, but when you're starting out and you're picking some harder trails or even some dirt roads, sometimes like there's one I run on that's super rocky. So just kind of taking into account, like you said, what's the intensity of where I'm heading? How much more, you know, uphill am I doing than on all of my road runs? And giving yourself that grace of like, yeah, there's probably going to be some walking in here. And in fact, that is something very intentional that ultra runners do. It is. It is. And I think a lot of road runners are very resistant to walk because they're like, well, I'm running and I don't walk while I run on the roads. I don't want to get slower from walking, but hiking is different. And there is a point. I mean, it's sometimes due to the steepness of the gradient, but sometimes it's due to the technicality 
of an uphill or downhill where walking is more efficient. And that's why I encourage my athletes a lot is like try to run. But if you start to feel like running is inefficient, power hike. So you're not going slow, but you're, you are walking. Yeah. Ultra runners will call it power hiking. And especially on like steep uphills, what you'll actually see is they lean forward, they place their hands on their legs. And so it's like this powering yourself up. So you didn't like transition to a leisurely stroll. You're still moving and still working. But like you said, the amount of energy you're expending for how fast you're moving, the trade-off is well, it's much better for me to power hike than run because if I run this and just like crush myself, how am I going to make the full like amount of time or distance that I have planned to do today? Absolutely. And I see for a lot of athletes, like if they get nervous on downhills, cause downhill running on trails is a skill, especially like if you're on some East coast trails that are just lots of screed and stuff. Um, it's a skill. There's roots and rocks. And so sometimes power hiking through there until you feel more comfortable with the downhill running saves you time, especially, you know, it's faster to walk than to fall and to have to pick yourself up, clean yourself up. Yes. David laughs at me frequently because if it is a super technical trail and it has any sort of loose stuff, I am so fast going up and so slow coming down because I'm convinced I'm going to fall. So that is something I have practiced and worked on. And I think one of the things to kind of learn with trail running is your arms are going to flail around. Like your arms now become your balancing system. So airplane arms is totally normal. You don't look crazy. You look like someone whose body is trying to figure out how to keep it upright and balanced. So in, you know, road running, we're trying to keep everything contained, but know that, yeah, on the trails, you're looking for balance. So your arms may be kind of more out to your sides and that's going to happen naturally. So don't like try to stop your body from that. It will help. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, this popped in my mind on that topic. Would you recommend poles for a like roadrunner dabbling into trails? I think they can be really useful when you're new and you know you're getting on some steep stuff or when it is going to have loose stuff or there was a trail run I did in Costa Rica that was insanely muddy. And if I had known anything before I left, I would have taken poles because I would have simply felt more stable. Um, it's certainly like you get used to them pretty quickly. I think they seem really cumbersome. And so especially for road runners that are like, I don't even want a hydration pack, but they are actually really useful. I agree. And I find for like a lot of runners, it helps on the trails to lean forward, like whether you're going up or down and having the pull and putting some of your weight into the pull, it trains you to have a forward lean. And it distributes the load a bit. So like you're using your upper body some, but you're giving your legs just a little bit of assistance. And for people who might be like, poles are really big, you buy collapsible poles for trail running. You don't use the big heavy poles that you might see at REI for hiking. That's a great point with the forward lean too. I think another one that can be really useful on the trails is because we're nervous about tripping, we have a tendency to just look down but we actually want to look two to three feet ahead of you. So that gives your brain long enough to process what it's coming to and to be telling your feet like, we're going to be picking up higher because there's a root, there's a big rock. If you're just looking straight down, 
your reaction time isn't quick enough to know what you're doing. So try and get yourself to be looking ahead. And then I admit I am frequently just repeating the mantra, pick up your feet while I'm running. Um, because eventually at some point I will start to get tired and not pick them up enough and always catch my toe. And so then I have to go back to the mantra, pick up your feet. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of roadrunners like aren't used to having to pick up their feet so much to avoid tripping or stuff. And yeah, I, I kind of think similarly, I'm always like, drive your knees up, drive your knees up because that helps pick up the feet. And it's like, it's just so different trying to figure out like, how do I not roll my ankle on a trail? Yeah. A hundred percent. One of the other things I like to recommend for road runners is to find an app, whether it's trail run project, that's what I tend to use a ton or anything like that, that you can have with you on the trail. One, it's going to give you something to look at ahead of time. So you know what you're getting into. So if I'm like, oh, this is a black trail that may not be really runnable for me at my skill level. So I may try to look for a different trail. So you aren't going in blind. I think that's super helpful. But then also these work on GPS and not cell signal or Wi-Fi. So it can still help you wayfind when you're on the trail, even if you don't have service and on the trails, you need to be prepared to be more self-reliant. Like you just are, even in Colorado, there are usually people around, but I can go for a good hour sometimes and see no one. So if I didn't wayfind or there wasn't a good sign, I mean, I could get myself really far out of the way or get in trouble and not be able to like find anyone. So you have to just be a little more prepared on trails than you do for any road run. Yes. Yeah. And if hearing that makes you nervous or you're navigationally challenged, like I am one thing that I did when I was running more trails in like Seattle was there was a lot of parks there that had like trail running and do just like the outer loop that might've been like a three mile loop with a decent amount of vert initially just looping and getting yourself used to the trails without having to worry about getting lost can really help if you're just nervous about that. Then once you feel more comfortable on trails, you'll probably feel more confident branching out to something where you have to navigate. And I think that confidence piece is a big point um, or even that feeling of safety. So I do get that question a lot of like, okay, you're out there and you see no one for like hours. And to me, it's kind of similar to running in the dark. Um, that is something that bothers a lot of people. So initially you start with maybe running just right at dawn and over time you just start to feel a little bit more comfortable with that. I kind of think trail running is the same thing. Like you do all the things you can to make yourself safe. So I've showed you guys before on Instagram, even like I carry a pepper gel spray. I have an alarm on my pack. Like I, I'm aware of my surroundings, so I have done the things I can to make myself safe. And then it's just over time building up comfortability with being out there um, and maybe not seeing as many people as you're used to. On that, what animals have you seen when you've done trail runs? Big concern I hear from people is they're like, I'm scared of bears. And I mean, I get that. I've had like a tent that I've been sleeping in poked at it by a bear and that's scary. But like realistically, trail running in Colorado, what animals have you encountered? I mean, honestly, my biggest fear is the rattlesnakes. And oh the my cows. God, yeah. 
<laughs> the cows attack cows. people. Like I'm more scared of them <laughs> than most things. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of wildlife. You see coyotes and foxes all the time. Like they're more scared of you. They run away. Um, a moose and a bear. I have seen like multiple moose uh, or elk or deer. And again, they're large enough that like you see them well before you suddenly smack into them. Um, so you have the choice to stop and turn around and move away. Um, and when you kind of look up the information, things like a bear attack almost never happens, like just while someone is trail running, unless they see a baby bear and get like, oh, it's so cute. No, no, no. Like you see a baby anything and like you move away immediately. Um, so I think some of it is using your common sense. We get, I get excited. I post about this all the time that I'm like, Ooh, I'm looking for a moose in this area, but I'm not actually anticipating it's going to be like on the trail. I'm assuming I'm going to see it from a distance and that's cool. Like they're large and they are wild. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I've seen moose and they're large and you see them from far away and with bears, like that's why they make bear bells and stuff is like bears don't want to be around people. So if they hear you talking or if they hear you singing or your bear bell jingling, they're probably going to leave you alone. In Seattle, we had a lot of um, cougars and those ones were the scary ones because those ones did pursue people. But again, it's just being aware of your surroundings and you know, if it's an area where it's very well known to have cougars, maybe you run with a buddy or bring an alarm or pepper spray. But yeah, I agree. It's the snakes are the scary ones, like, because those can be like under rocks or just kind of laying there, camouflaged, and you just have to keep an eye on your feet. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, it, maybe it makes no sense. I'm scared of the smallest thing out there, but that's it. <laughs> Yeah, no, same. I mean, that's it. They're venomous. And even they don't bite many people. I mean, people laughed at me, though, when I said I was afraid of the cows, like on Instagram, people are like, what are you talking about? They don't understand. They are. We've had multiple people like I know people that have had their backs broken because cows have rammed them. And if you ever actually get close to cows, they are very, very large animals. (laughs) Yes, they are. I was running on like a pseudo trail here in Erie recently. It was just like a gra- little gravel trail. And there was a cow in the middle of the trail. <laughs> and I was with my Belgian Malinois and I was like, this is actually really upsetting. The cow started like posturing as if it was going to like aggressively defend itself. And we backtracked real quick. Yep. A hundred percent. And you made a good point with bears. Usually if there is a bear in the area or a cougar in the area, they are posting signs. So you're well aware in advance. Um, And with bears, yes, like if I see that sign, then I'm making noise while I'm trail running. And yeah, the cougars, maybe you just choose some different options. There are occasionally mountain lions that'll pop up in Boulder. Um, I I always kind of laugh about that too, though, because I think by the time I see them, it's too late. So there's not a lot for me to be worried about. Like... (laughs) But I think it all sounds scarier than it is because it's new. It's the same, you know, you go to a new city to run and there's a little bit of nerves about where am I and what's going on. So I think you just get more comfortable with all of it as you do it. Oh, I think so. You kind of learn that it's like mostly, like you said, coyotes and foxes and prairie dogs out there. And it's not, if it was like truly dangerous, I don't think as many people would do it, but trail running is booming. 
Yeah, 100%. So a few other tips to think about with trail running, and then we can talk about kind of how incorporating it into, um, you know, your road running. So one is you have to think about time of day a little bit more. So like you said, your trail run can take longer. And so you just need to be aware if you're starting later in the day, because you don't want to get stuck out on the trails at night, especially if you haven't brought a headlamp or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so be much more aware of your start time and just assume that it's going to take longer than you think. That's kind of the rule I always go with. Like I just always assume it's going to take longer than whatever I think and use that for planning purposes so that I am kind of staying in a safety buffer and not ending up out there like, oh, now it's dark. Now there's literally no one coming on the trail because it's supposed to be closed. Yeah, that's really good advice. Usually it's best just to pack everything you could need in your hydration pack, pack a headlamp, pack spare battery maybe even if you could need it pack layers if it gets cold in the mountains like i've been out there where all of a sudden it drops 20 degrees and if you don't have layers you're shivering bring you know a first aid kit like all sorts of stuff like you have that hydration pack it has a lot of space use that space yeah and i think that kind of comes down to how far you're going how long because yeah i take my hydration pack um, but when I know we're going in the mornings and it's two hours, like I may not bring all of that, but I do have like a blister pad and I have extra tissues and like, so you're going to have some more things with you. And I think one of those to think about is fuel. So even the same distance, like we said before, you normally don't fuel on maybe your eight mile run, but now your eight miles is taking you over an hour and a half. It's taking you almost two hours to go eight miles. So fuel just, you always, always want to have it. You always want to have more water than you think you're going to need. Because again, if it just takes longer or you get lost, there's no drinking fountain, there's no 7-Eleven. Like, so you have to be prepared to take care of yourself. Yes. Yeah. And like, you can get those straws that filter water don't drink water though if like you can't filter it because that's how you get giardia. Yes. Not a great idea. Never do that. Yeah. I think that fueling advice applies really well also if you're doing trail races because a half marathon on the trails isn't going to be like it is on the roads and also it's very rare that a half marathon on the trails is actually 13.1 miles. Like I've had athletes do it and it's 14 miles. 15 or 11. It's not as precise out there. Yeah. It's, that's probably one of the funniest things for me with ultras is it's already a hundred miles, but it might be 102 miles. <laughs> like it, it, you don't exactly know. And I'm like, that's fascinating. <laughs> I know it takes a like, cause even like Chamonix, they are like, Oh, UTMB is a hundred miler. That's actually 106 miles. Like it's just well established since they changed the course. Yep. Yeah. Which is fascinating. So fascinating. Um, any other tips you want to make sure we share before we kind of talk more about incorporating it? It's really important to leave no trace. So anything you bring in needs to come out with you. So don't just toss your gel wrappers. Make sure you're packing out anything you use. If you run with a dog, unfortunately, that means you have to bring a little bag and pack up its 
excretions. Um, but then leave no trace is also leaving the trail as you found it. So don't excessively cut switchbacks. Don't go off trail and try to make your own way. That's not great for the open space or national park or whatever you're in. Stay on trail, respect the trail. hundred percent. Great reminders. Okay. So you're a roadrunner. You are currently training for a race, but you'd really like to spend some time on the trails. I feel like this was me for a long time when I first got to Colorado trying to figure out like, how does this work? So one of the things I would say is initially pick a day that you're going to make like a short trail run each week and just give yourself a chance to get used to how different does this feel? Like, I'm using my ankle muscles differently. I'm even using my glutes differently by power hiking up those hills. So instead of like jumping in right away with a ton of trails, it's the same sort of practice you've been using as a road runner with mileage, like starting with something shorter, getting your body used to that in tandem with your running on the roads and then adding to it slowly from there. Um, I think for me, one of the things that's been fun is I will actually do trail runs the day after my long run. And that seems counterintuitive because I'm tired, but I think it works out well because I am so excited to take the walk breaks on the trail because I was already kind of tired. And so, oh, there's a hill, cool. I can walk, I can enjoy the fact that I'm out here. And then, you know, I'm happy to fly on the downhills. So for me, that's been one way that's been kind of fun to incorporate it. Oh yeah. I'll second that. Like I program that for some of my athletes who like trails, like long run on Saturday, trail recovery run on Sunday. And back when I lived in Seattle, I did that too. It just, it also feels really good to be on a soft surface the day after, you know, say 20 miles on the roads. Yeah, I think it's a nice way to do it. I mean, again, if you're trying to compare your trail runs to your road runs, you're going to be frustrated because you're not having the same like Sunday easy run. Like it's different. This is still difficult and there's a lot of walking to it compared to what you would do. But I like doing that. I think the other thing that for me was useful is I started paying more attention to my ankles Um, so it's something as roadrunners we should do anyways, because it makes you faster. But unless you have ankle issues, most of us don't think that much about working our ankles. Most runners don't think about their ankles. So like a lot of times for trails, it helps to do ankle strength, calf strength and stuff. Um, ankle mobility can be helpful in a warm up, And I think that's also important is don't skip your warm up just because you're on trails. Yeah. Even if you're going to be walking more everything still needs to be warmed up. Um, Ankle strength, any specific moves you really like? So I often start athletes with just like a basic dorsiflexion mobility exercise where like they are probably in a half kneel position and they're just gently guiding their knee forward over their toes and learning how to move that ankle through ankle joint through a full range of dorsiflexion, like toes coming towards your knees and back. I find that really helps. And then sometimes we'll start with toe walks, heel walks. Again, these things that work on like a little bit of stability of the very complex joint. And then, you know, some people do all sorts of band exercises in different ways. It kind of depends. What about you? Yeah. One that I like to do, and it's actually like a predictor of longevity even, is just barefoot balancing on one leg. 
So you've got one knee raised in front of you at 90 degrees. And if you, you should be able to balance on that one foot and you should feel like your feet are really working. It's going to force your ankle to work, but at least 30 seconds. Um, and once you get good at that, you can do it on like an unstable surface, just a pillow even. Um, once you get good at that, you can close your eyes. So it's not like crazy complex, but it really, really works. And there's some cool data around it. Um, so I love that one. And then the other thing is even kind of working on a little bit of that power. So like jump rope, where you think about really pushing off your toes a little bit, kind of that pogo motion. Um, that's a great one too. Yes. Oh yeah. That's a great, great piece of advice. Kind of thinking of like ankles and stuff. Cause I feel like we should touch on this before we go trail shoes. Like, do you need trail shoes? How gnarly of trail shoes do you need? Cause I, I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's trails. I must need the biggest shoe out there to protect my ankles from spraining. Yeah. Most of the time when I'm looking at trail shoes, I'm actually more concerned with what's on the outsole than anything else. I want to see like grippy, grippy rubber. <laughs> Cause this goes back to me thinking about walking down rocks. I want it to grip. Um, and so you want to look at like, what is that outsole? And then your trail shoes are going to have lugs. And so Lugs can look a number of different ways. They can all be facing the same direction or they can be kind of turned different directions on the bottom of the shoe. And if you know you're doing technical stuff, you want those ones that have them in multi-direction. That will help ensure you've got really good grip going up and down. Um, the ones that are all pointing the same direction are fine. They just maybe aren't for as technical or, you know, like, uh, slick rock. So I think a lot about when we got to Moab and we're on slick rock. I want, again, that rubber that's got like grip. Your ankles are doing their job. And unless you're getting like a really high shoe, your shoe isn't doing a whole lot in terms of your ankles. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the high shoes make me nervous because sometimes like your ankle needs to be able to move. Having your ankle able to move, it sounds scary, but you want your ankle to move sometimes. Yep. There was a great article that a friend of mine just wrote. I can't remember if it was for outside online, I think. Um, and it was about exactly that. They were finding that more people are just using trail shoes to hike and that it's working better um, than having the big boots. So yes, I love that. And then like in terms of like lighter trails like we were kind of talking about earlier like a golf course or crushed gravel like I personally don't ever wear trail shoes on that but what would you advise an athlete yeah most of the time I'll just have my road shoes on for those um unless I'm like going somewhere where I'm thinking about rocks and I want to have like a rock plate but for most of those kind of city sort of trails your road shoes are going to do just fine for you. Um, and then you're not going to feel like you're wearing down those lugs when you end up kind of back and forth pavement to crush gravel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause those lugs will wear down quickly on roads. Any other pieces of advice then that you would leave our listeners? The biggest one, which I'm sure you've all heard is think of trail running differently and use it for enjoyment. So 
take the time to appreciate where you're at and that it's different and not compare it to what your other runs have been like. It takes a little bit to get out of that mindset and just your trails are totally different. You can't even compare one trail race to another trail race, which is why a lot of trail runners love it. They're like, all of my judgment went away because I couldn't really compare one thing to another. It was just, what did I do on this day? And that let go of so much pressure for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of athletes love that about trail running. Yeah. And it is a welcoming community too. So no one is judging you for your walking because we've all been out there walking somewhere. So just enjoy yourselves. And the thing I would leave listeners is like trail running can be whatever it is you want it to be. So if it's something that you just do once a week as a recovery run and you never do trail races, that's great. No one's making you sign up. It's also okay if you used to love road racing and then you decide you want to go fully in on trail racing. Like you can be anywhere on the spectrum of trail running. There's no need to like compare yourself and be like, oh, I like to run trails, but it's just this little park once a week. So I shouldn't, I should discount myself. Um, it can be whatever you want it to be in your running. That's such a good reminder. We get so pigeonholed in like, this is what I do that we don't often just let ourselves be like, but I'm kind of enjoying this thing right now. And it's, it's fine if this is what I'm enjoying at the moment. Yes. Yeah. So as always, thank you for listening to the Tread Lightly podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or Google Play. And please, if you enjoyed this, rate, review, and subscribe. Absolutely. We appreciate the notes you send us, your reviews, and always the questions that you pass along. You can find us on Instagram at Tread Lightly Running. Happy running.